Well, we have been going through our study through the book of Ephesians. It's, it's kind of hard to believe. Um, but next week will be our last Sunday in the book of Ephesians. We've, we've made it all the way through. And so uh, today we'll be at the end of chapter 5, end of chapter 6. And maybe to kind of set that off, I, I, I think I'd be willing to bet that there is um, every single person in here who has some common denominators. Uh, that being that everyone in here wants a home that's peaceful, don't we? Now, I, don't, I don't think there would be anybody in here who would go, no, and I don't, I don't want a peaceful home. I really enjoy chaos. And, and I think every one of us would want peaceful homes um, that have meaningful conversations, right? Not just flippant, passing by. I think we'd all want that, right? Um, I think we would all want children who are full of respect, um, who are full of purpose, who are full of drive, um, and, and, and we would want our children to be full of laughter too, wouldn't we? I, th- I think we would all want that. I don't think there's a person in here who goes to work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day it is going, boy, I sure hope today is a really cruddy day. Like, I, don't, I don't think that's, I think every single person wants a, a workplace that's just kind of flowing with um, mission over competition or, or maybe just... We all want a sense of fulfillment at our work, right? I think we all want those good things. And, and uh, we're going to read today's passage. And I think you'll see right off the bat that it speaks to all of those things. Uh, and so, um, if you will, just... Well, I was going to say stand, but let's not do that because it is a long passage. But if you will, um, let's look on the screen together and, and see what today's passage is all about. Ephesians five twenty one. Through six, uh, nine. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. And now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we're members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Side note, if you want to die early, don't obey your parents. Um, Fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as servants um, of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them. 
and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there's no partiality with him. Now, the reason that I chose to do the text this way, as you can see, we could have easily subdivided this into sections, right? This is easily three different sermons. As a matter of fact, most of you guys probably have heard this text busted apart, haven't you? You've heard little messages on, okay, here's a message on marriage. Now, here's a message on children. Now, here's a message on parenting. And I hope that you see the way that we read it today is because they're all meant to be together. It, it's supposed to be lumped all together. In, and I think a lot of times when we start breaking apart, we can actually read something into the text that the text really isn't even saying. Right? And so this is one of those texts that I think gets abused a lot of times in that way. And so I hope you saw the difference that it is different. It's not a sermon just on marriage. It's not a sermon just on children. It's not a sermon just on employment. And that's why we took away all the verses, all the chapters, all the headings, all of that kind of stuff as we read through this so that you could see the, the linear theme. And so Paul's, I think he's doing something here that's way bigger than those three simple things just in isolation. And this all began, if you'll remember, as Tyler was preaching through, this right here actually began back in verse 15. If you don't understand verse 15, you can't understand these verses. So let's look at this back in verse 15. It'll be on the screen. What Paul says here is he says, Listen, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Catch me here. What I'm telling you is that those passages are not simply about marriage, children, and workplace. The whole thing is answering the question, what is the will of the Lord? Right? What is the will of the Lord? Here's the will of the Lord. To be filled with the Spirit. He says this. How do we do that? By addressing one another in psalms and hymns and singing. By singing and making melody in the heart to the Lord. By giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. By submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so everything that we just read about marriage, parenting, and working fits in the context of what does it mean to be spirit-filled and to be in the will of the Lord. Does that make sense? It's bigger. There's a much bigger picture. And so remember, this whole book is divided into two halves. Verses 1 through 3 was all about what does it mean to have the doctrine, the heady doctrine of a life lived for Christ. Chapters 3 through 6 is all about what does it mean to have deeds that reflect a life lived for Christ. you remember this? The whole book is broken up in doctrine and deeds. And he's, he's saying to us, yes, your heady doctrine should produce certain deeds. It's going to affect your marriage. It's going to affect your workplace. It's going to affect your parenting. It's going to affect masters. It's going to affect slaves. It's going to affect all these things. And all of that has something to do with what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit. So have you ever even wondered that question? Have you wondered what does it mean to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Right? 
And the reason I, I, I asked you that question is because a lot of times I think that we think to be filled with the Holy Spirit means something like, well, that means that I'm isolated. And as I isolate myself, I, I have this mystical meditation. And that's where I get filled with the Spirit. Right? And so I, I get alone and get in my quiet Zen room. And, and I get this mystical message from the Lord. And that means being filled by the Spirit. Right? And so he says, no, that's not what being filled with the Spirit means. Being filled with the Spirit is it looks like a life of addressing one another and interacting in gospel conversations. Or or have you ever asked the question, well, you know what? Sometimes I, I see people walking around saying that being filled with the Spirit means that you have a mystical message for somebody else. Like God downloaded this message for you to give to somebody else. And so it's this prophetic thing and that's what a Spirit filled life means. Well, here's what he says. A spirit-filled life looks like singing. It looks like just singing aloud and, and singing aloud the messages. That, so it's not mystical. It's celebrating what we already know to be true. Or maybe this. Maybe some of you have thought that being filled with the Spirit looks like flopping on the ground, rolling around, like you see maybe on TV, in uh, chaotic laughter. Uh, Look, they're filled with the Spirit because they're rolling around in front of a church and flopping around flailing, so they must be filled with the Spirit. Notice that Paul didn't say being filled with the Spirit was flopping around, did he? Oh, he said it's addressing, it's singing, and it's a life of intelligible thankfulness. Uh, This is what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit, to be speaking the thankfulness of what we receive through Christ. And then not only that... Maybe this this notion of life filled with the Spirit is these mystical commands that the Lord's giving. He says, no, it's a life of submitting to one another. Now, just for fun, just for fun, how many of y'all have heard this passage preached before and the whole point of the passage was how women should submit to men? Raise your hand high. If you, if you, if you, okay, almost the whole room. Hopefully you see already, that's not the point of this passage. It's it's not this isolated, oh, let's submit. The, The whole point is, how do we have a life full of Christ? And the life looks like this. Well, it's addressing, it's singing, it's giving thanks, it's submitting, it's it's all of these things together. And so you really could boil down this whole passage even more so, really into just two categories. If you want to take all of that and boil it into two categories, here's what Paul's saying to us about a life that is full of deeds of Christ. It's, it's about the heart. Number one, it's a life filled with Jesus that exposes this grand heart. A grand heart of actions that are outwardly gratuitous uh, for the Lord. And it's actions that show outwardly big heart. But it's also a small heart. It's a lowly heart that gives humble service not just to the Lord, but to the people around us. That's what a life overflowing, being filled by the Spirit looks like. A heart of flesh always tells us that we should be honored. But a heart of the Spirit always says that we should honor others. A heart of the flesh always says, well, I should be served. But a heart of the Spirit says, serve others. This is the point that Paul's getting at. And this truly is... A miraculous thing. What I'm trying to tell you is Paul says if you want to live a life that is filled with the Spirit, it's nothing short of a miracle because that's not in your own heart. 
It's not in my heart to honor others first or to serve others first. That's my wife. It's in my heart to honor me. That's just in us. And so what Paul is saying is a life of the Spirit is the opposite of that. It's, it's been affected. It's been, it's been changed. And so Paul is showing us what a life led by the Spirit looks like in these very practical examples that we all understand. And now I'm going to... It's already popped up there on the screen. Uh, I want you to see just a couple of things here as we just track through it real fast. <clears throat> Notice that this word that people usually punch in on when they're proclaiming this passage starts with this, wives, submit. Well, here's an interesting fact. In the Greek, that word submit, it ain't even there. It's not even attached. That verb is not there. Why? Because the whole thing is be thankful, sing, address, submit, blah, blah, blah. Wives to your husbands. You do all of these things, wives to your husbands. This is how the the actual flow goes, if that makes some sense. So the literal flow, something is like this. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The way that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is to address, sing, give thanks, submit. How? Wives to your husbands. Husbands to your wives. Children to your parents. Parents to your children. Servants to your masters. Masters to your servants. Does that make a little more sense? That's the point of the text. So in other words... Now you see all of these words that I've underlined. Now that should make a little more sense. In other words, what he's saying is, listen, wives, if you're going to submit to your husbands, it looks like you loving your husband just in the same way that you love the Lord. And vice versa. Husbands, if you're going to love your wife, the way that you love her well is to love her like Christ loved the church. Children. If you're going to obey your parents and submit to them, what it looks like is you submit to them in the same way that you submit to the Lord. Parents, if you're going to submit to your children, it looks like this. You nurturing your children just like Christ nurtures the church. Servants, employees, what does it look like for you to submit to your boss? Well, in the same way that you would serve Christ. And bosses, how do you submit to your employees? Well, in the same way that Christ serves you. So this is what's going on by the word submission. It's this mutual pull. And so here's the deal. You can bank on these things. And it should pop up on the screen. You can bank on this. Where there is that type mutual submission, competition, if you will, uh, to be like Jesus, you'll always find joy. I have never seen a home in disarray where the husband and wife were competing with one another to see who can love one another like Christ loves the church. As a matter of fact, any home you've ever seen in disarray, you can bank on it. There's somebody who is loving themselves in a way that doesn't represent the way that Christ loves the church. Always. Number two, where this is this reciprocal type servanthood, you'll just you'll always find happiness. Again, Paul's showing us how do you have a practically happy life? Well, it's intricately wed to this level of loving the Lord and loving one another in the Lord. Number three, and wherever you find strife, you'll just find somebody rebelling against Christ-like servanthood. So are, you, are you picking up on what Paul's putting down 
Does that make a little more sense to you today? Well, hopefully you're seeing the linchpin that, that holds all of this together. And it'll be on the screen maybe one more time. There we go. See all those things that I underlined? Did you notice how many times it says out of reverence for Christ or for Christ or as Christ does the church? Did you notice how many times it does that? That's the main point of this passage. And so this passage isn't about who gets to be an overlord monarch. That's not what this passage is about. This passage is not about should I or should I not get steamrolled like a peasant. It's not what this passage is about. This passage is about mutual submission to Christ as the centerpiece of Christian life for the family. So I'm going to end with where I began. I don't think there's anybody in here who wants an unhappy home. So what is Paul's answer to having a happy home? Love one another like Christ loved the church. I don't think there's anybody in here who wants to have an unhappy parent-child relationship. And so what, Paul, what is Paul's answer for how to have a happy relationship? Well, you submit to one another like Christ loves the church. I don't think there's anybody in here who wants to go to work tomorrow and just be like, this day is terrible. Like nobody wants that. And so what's Paul's answer for tomorrow? His Monday answer is, if you want to find joy, go love everybody around you like Christ loves the church. That's his answer for real practical joy right now. So what difference does it make for a Christian life when everything is oriented around Christ in that way? All the difference in the world. Christ changes everything. You see what Paul just did to us? He said it's not theory, guys. It's not some super mystical philosophical mumbo-jumbo. It is practical hands and feet right now. And so a few takeaways as we wrap up today. Number one, this passage shows us that God is not distant, but intimately personal and very concerned about the details of life. Did you notice that? I think a lot of times we get a view of God as like, oh, He is high and holy other. And He is. He is high and holy other. But he is very concerned with parenting and workplace and marriage. He's intimately involved. Number two, this passage shows us that happy, meaningful, purposeful, spirit-filled living is not just possible, but commanded. I think a lot of times we do walk into our relationship with the Lord going, "Is is any of this stuff even possible that the Lord's talking about? And Paul says, it's not only possible... But I'm commanding you to be thankful, to sing, to be melodious. Is melodious a word? Melodious. I don't, correct me afterwards. I don't know what it is. Just, he, he said, I'm telling you to do these things. Number three, this passage is not, and this is the only not, but I do want to say this. It's not showing us that there are not distinct roles. Now, I want to be careful about that. This passage is not saying that there, everybody is on a, a, an equal playing field and there's not some form of leadership and we should lead. It's, he is not saying that parents should lead their children. He's not saying that. He's not saying that servants should lead. The, it's, it's not that. But what he is saying is this. There are different roles in the world. Every role has equal value. And in equal value, 
it's dependent on us being mutually submissive to one another in the way that Christ loves the church. And that's the key that I think gets distorted so many times. Number three, four, whatever it is, this passage shows us that orienting all of our life on Jesus is the key. It's not just a flippant passing. It's not, I just, I'm going to orient my life on Jesus on Sunday morning because that's what I, what I came to do. It's actual process. It's intentionality. That's what it means to orient our life on Jesus. It's wives who fill their homes and workplaces with Scripture and with music and with notes and encouragement, all unashamedly, vocally proclaiming Jesus, speaking that into the home and to the workplace. This is his point. It's husbands who load up the car, who load up the family in tow to, to go gather with other believers who were doing the exact same thing. It's, it's, it is that. It's practical living out. It's children. It's children who fight the rebellion in their own heart, as we all have to do, to love their parents in the same way that Christ loves them. It's, em, it's employees who model Christ's labor of love to our employers. It's, it's, it's not backing down and acquiescing, but it's, it's living a life of worship in everything that we do. It's bosses who model Christ's tangible love in recognizable ways for their employees. It's decisions being met with, hey, we don't know the answer to this decision, so let's stop right now and let's pray together. It's not, yeah, I'll pray about that, you pray about that. It's, no, no, we are going to pray about this. It's actual. It's arguments being met with, whoa, 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 whoa. What is Christ teaching us in this moment? It's successes. It's, it's the joyful moments being met with, hey, 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 this is awesome, <laughs> Got the promotion, got the job, got the house, got the whatever. And it's pausing them to go, hey, let's stop in the middle of success and go, let's be thankful that the Lord has chosen by His grace to bless us. And let's acknowledge that it's, it's actual living. So I do want to be careful as we wrap it up. Sometimes Jesus did look like flipping tables, right? Let's just be clear. Happiness doesn't mean that sometimes a table ain't flipped. Now, I'm not advising we flip our tables in our houses. I'm just saying that Jesus flipped tables, but somehow he still lived this out. Okay? Sometimes it looks like Jesus shaking the dust off of his sandals and walking away. Okay? Nobody wants to preach that passage, right? We should just love and let people steamroll us. Well, Jesus said, nah, take your sandal off and shake the dust, and sometimes you need to walk away. Right? Sometimes it looked like Jesus awkwardly, awkwardly confronting sin, right? In very real conversations. Sometimes love looks like going, hey, where's your husband? I don't have a husband. I know, you've had six of them. And the guy that you're with now is not your husband. And then the lady goes, if you remember, she goes, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. (laughs) The most grand understatement in all of Scripture. That's an awkward conversation, okay? Incredibly awkward. But at the same time, that's how Christ loves his bride. So I want to be careful 
Because I think a lot of times, I don't want to paint a caricature that's so often painted with people with agendas other than worship, that we should just be lovey-dovey despite whatever. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But what this passage is saying is that when Jesus is the focal point of all the areas of our life, then having a piece of heaven on earth is very possible. Let's pray together. And so, Lord, thank you for your text. So many ways this text hits us. There's no doubt in my mind that there are husbands and wives contemplating how on earth do I live this out. Would you give them grace? Show them in in their own areas of life what that means. No doubt in my mind that in relationship to children and parents, there's the thought of how do I live that out? Would you give them grace to grow? No doubt in my mind that there are people thinking, how does this work with my employer or my employees? And how how does it fit? God, I trust that you'll give grace in that moment too. Show us how to be a church that lives every day more so still by loving the way that Christ loved the church. Sometimes tough and sometimes tender. Strike that delicate balance in our heart. Lord Jesus, for your glory, we pray. Would you stand and worship?